let's pick up on the case of Mexico's accession to NAFTA, because in fact this is a good example of how we can explore these contrasting approaches between realism and liberalism. Can you begin by explaining how a liberal might give an explanation of the North American Free Trade Agreement based on those two key concepts of absolute gains and a positive sum gain? The liberal interpretation of NAFTA would look at Mexico's decision to approach the United States to form NAFTA broadly along the following lines. In the 1980s, there were significant domestic changes in Mexican politics which moved Mexico economically away from a protected model of import substituting industrialization to a much more liberal, indeed even neoliberal model of economic development. That occurred on the liberal analysis primarily as a result of the exhaustion and problems of the previous model of development. So what you have there is an essentially domestically generated transformation of Mexican politics and economics such that Mexican elites came to define the national interest in Mexico in terms of an increasingly liberalized and increasingly open economy. Now, there were international developments as well, the fall of the Soviet Union and the loss of export markets in Eastern Europe and so forth. But the primary motivation for Mexican elites was the exhaustion domestically of the old model and hence the reorientation. That provided a new definition of the Mexican national interest in terms of economic openness, liberalization. The second element of the liberal model would be to argue that in pursuing those policies, the Mexican elite was increasingly focusing on the absolute gains that Mexico might make through those policies rather than worrying about its position vis-a-vis its dominant northern neighbor, the United States, and that by pursuing freer trade with the United States, it could enter into a positive sum game, that is an interaction with the United States where the United States would benefit and Mexico would benefit. And so putting those two together, a reorientation of the national interest towards a focus on absolute gains, plus the possibility of a positive sum interaction with the United States, produces institutionalised cooperation, and that's what we know as the North American Free Trade Agreement. I think from a realist perspective, there's two remarks to be made. One is that this interpretation, the liberal interpretation, does not undermine the realist nature of international politics in the sense that the power difference between Mexico and the U.S. is so big that the U.S. actually does not care too much, that even if there's some relative loss, it wouldn't matter much because it would be at such a scale that it wouldn't affect the global position of the United States and its capacity to preserve itself. So that's actually an argument that liberal games and cooperation can be played but under peculiar circumstances when the relative gains and losses do not dramatically affect because of the difference in position you start from in power position is so big that they do not matter in the global picture of international politics. The second comment from a realist perspective would be that The positive sum game is actually a very rosy picture of what happened because it pictures as well as if Mexico had a choice to some extent or they made the choice in their internal politics. If you look at how NAFTA came about, it was started off with an agreement between Canada and the US. So the two big ones agreed. And what choices did Mexico actually have? So the only way to cover a bit of what they were losing anyway was actually to step in which is not really a choice. It's a form of cooperation, but it's almost coerced cooperation. 
not in a literal sense. This leads me to the second bit. Even if the United States, for example, the big powers, don't overtly play the power game in terms of a coercive game that you try to bully the other ones into an agreement very visibly, the weaker states always know how powerful the big one is. And they anticipate because they know what will happen if they don't do. So in that sense, there is a less rosy picture. So, Simon, from Jeff's realist corner, what we have is a charge that the liberal case is really a rather woolly, perhaps inconsequential in terms of the big picture, view of an agreement between a tiny power, Mexico, and a great power, the United States. I think there are two replies to that. The first is to concede straight away that liberalism doesn't have to be a theory of cooperation. As soon as you focus on interdependence, it's perfectly possible that some states are in a position to manipulate that interdependence at the expense of others. And in a sense, that's what you're describing with the Canada-US agreement, that there's a pattern of interdependence amongst three countries, Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Two of them are in a position to strike a deal which adversely affects the third. So Canada and the US sign a free trade agreement. That worsens Mexico's position. And then, as you suggest, Mexico, in a sense, has to run to catch up. So the liberal model can cope with those kinds of circumstances where coercion is applied through manipulating interdependence. And I think it's quite important that we don't give a picture of the liberal model as just a theory of cooperation. It can be a theory of, of coercion and of, and of conflict. All the liberal model is committed to is that cooperation is in principle possible. It's not saying that is always what is going on. So in a sense, it's not damaging to the liberal model to concede your second claim that in joining NAFTA, Mexico, in a sense, was running to catch up. Jeff's first point is that the liberal story, in a sense, is the icing on the cake. It's, it's fair weather cooperation that doesn't affect the big relations of power. I think that's a much more difficult one to answer, but let me just throw in one consideration. The United States is engaged with extensive trade liberalization and investment liberalization vis-a-vis -vis China currently. China's position in the international system is rising very rapidly. Its growth rates over the last two or three decades have been many, many times those of the United States. And thus far, there's very little sign of the United States trying to change that situation, of trying to slow down China's much more rapid growth. So presumably the United States is concerned about its relative power vis-a-vis -vis China. It would be bizarre if it wasn't. But it is also engaged in very, very extensive economic cooperation, which thus far has resulted in a rise in China's relative power vis-à-vis -vis the United States. Now, the jury's still out on that one, and things may well change. But there might be grounds there for a more optimistic liberal assessment than a view that we're always locked in zero-sum rivalries. Presumably a realist response to that would be that once China's gains are of a significant magnitude to bother the United States, then the relative consideration comes in. And in some ways, a good deal of this debate hangs on the relative importance of relative gains on the one hand and absolute gains on the other in the calculations that states make about their relationships to one another. At the heart of the realist view, I think, is the assumption that in the end, because of security and because of anarchy, 
relative gains will trump absolute gains. And I think at the heart of the liberal view is the view that there's no reason in principle why absolute gains couldn't become to be defined as more important than relative gains, that in a sense the security issue can be finessed by interdependence. Jeff, what's the realist response to this? Well, there are several elements one could throw into the pot from a realist perspective, but let me just mention one, which is that, of course, the US is building up and stimulating free trade with China. But at the same time, it has been successfully put a lot of pressure upon the European Union so as not to increase arms sales to China, which shows again that it's fine to cooperate, but at some point when it comes to the hardcore of survival, China can increase economically, but when it comes to getting sophisticated armory, which then leads into increasing its military power considerably, the big powers call a stop to it. So in that sense, I think it's important to see that absolute gains, free trade, cooperation can work. But ultimately, at some point, one reaches a limit. And that's the point when security starts playing. And at that point, one calls a halt to cooperation. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.